Hey, it's Karen Hunter from the Karen Hunter Show on Sirius XM Urban View. Here's a highlight from today's show. And this gentleman has a whole book devoted to swimming. It is called The Swim Team. It is a beautiful graphic novel. It uh, follows a young girl named Bree who is swim crazed. She's finding her community. And he has done the job. He's actually a number one New York Times bestselling graphic novelist. Let me welcome to the show, Johnny Christmas. Hey. Thank you so much for having me, Karen. I'm glad to be here. Glad to see you. Now, are you an avid swimmer, Johnny Christmas? No, no. That's part of why I wanted to write the book. I, I, um, as a little kid, I fell into a pool and I almost drowned. And that experience led to a, a great fear around the pool and around water. So it wasn't until I became an adult and started taking adult classes, swim classes, that I'm actually like at a place where I'm comfortable in the water, but I would not call myself an avid swimmer by any stretch of the imagination. And uh, shout out to all the traumatizing uncles and daddies and family members who threw children into pools and completely traumatized <laughs> them for the rest of their lives. Shout out to y'all for being uh, not th- thinking you were doing tough love, but you actually did the opposite. Let's huh. stop doing that. Let's stop doing that. Let that not carry generationally. Because uh, some kids will swim, but most will be traumatized. Yeah. I think even the ones who swim will be traumatized after being thrown in a pool like that. Yeah, some scary stuff. You think drowning is a horrible way to go. That's why waterboarding is such an effective way of torture. That said, uh, Johnny Christmas, first of all, your name is is dope. Johnny Christmas. That's your. That's your. Is that your pen name? Is that your gnome de plume? No, that's fine. <clears throat> I was born John Christmas. So uh, yeah, yeah, that's my name. Yeah. But they always call me Johnny around around the, the neighborhood. So where are you from? Just, uh grew up in Miami, Florida. So you grew up at a beach where there was beach, water everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> water on three sides. Yeah. But no pools anywhere to be seen. You know, I couldn't tell you where the swimming pool was in my neighborhood, which was part of the problem, you know, with without that access to to swimming early on. It's kind of like, uh, I, I compare it to like walking, right? Like you don't remember when you learned how to walk because you have so much access to it, you know? But if you don't get in the pool early, you don't have that access with safe instruction um, with, you know, qualified swim instructors instead of like uncles throwing you in the pool or something. Mm-hmm. You'll, you actually don't have the time to, to get that mechanical muscle memory type, you know, situation with the water where it just becomes second nature. And, um, and that, that's kind of a problem in, in black communities with access to water and, um, Hopefully we can we can change that. I, I want to shout out also, and this is legit, uh, the YMC programs, you know, the one that I came up in, you know, summer camp where we had everyday swim instruction, everyday swim instruction. I, the only thing that I was scared, with, they took us to this pool that had a diving board that was like maybe, it seemed like it was 100 feet. It probably wasn't 100 feet, but all of the right. kids would just go up there and jump off the diving board. And I was like, I got up, I went all the way out and I looked down, I was like, oh, this is not happening. And I, uh, I turned around and came back. So one thing, I, I don't like heights, but the swimming, I, I don't remember learning how to swim because for every year, for three years, I was in summer camp where that was just part of the daily routine that you would have swim lessons. So, um, And they don't have them in, as much anymore in our neighborhoods, but it was a, a black neighborhood with a you know black run director, black program, black kids. Um, and it's a shame that those things still don't exist, uh, at the level, but, um, Johnny walk us through. So Bree is a little girl. You're not, I'm not, what, what inspired you to write about her and tell her story through graphic, through this graphic novel? 
Well, the first time I did this story, I did it autobiographically, but, um, and I only showed a handful of friends and I did it really short. It was like eight pages or whatever. I only showed like 10 friends. I'm kind of shy about autobiographical stories. So every time I retold the story, I, I made it like I had a fantasy version. I had all these different versions of it. And then one of the versions I invented Brie and I thought she was like the most fascinating character. She was strong will. She was determined. She was super cool. So then when I came back again to do, do the book um, properly this time, I thought, well, what, what if we took Brie and all of her determination and she was in this situation, like how would she react? And, uh, and, and it, it, from that point, point, it just started to spill out because like Brie would, you know, be, be afraid of it, but then she would just get so determined about it that she would not only learn how to swim, but she joined the school swim team. And then we go on into these other adventures of um, making friends and trying to save the, the, the local pool and, and all that. So, um, so that's why Brie, and um, it, it kind of came out of my own experience, but she's just a fascinating character. Just, just wanted to work with her more. 866-801-8255. Johnny Christmas is here. Um, we celebrate today Octavia Butler's 70, would, would have been her 75th birthday. So yeah, I love talking to writers and, and the process because I think art art in words, art through words is where you spark people's imagination. It's where you can reach people's souls uh, but if force people have to crack open a book, right? Um, and doing it as a graphic novel, you know, I, I guess your audience, you, you're trying to reach young people to inspire them to swim, to want to get into the water, to want to know more about the water. Talk, talk about your, how did you get into this particular genre of writing? Yeah. Um, so I, I started off doing, um, you know, when I was real little, I started doing comics for kids because I was just basically doing comics for my contemporaries, basically. So but so as I grew up, I kept doing comics and I just kept doing them for my contemporaries. So I did, you know, comics for adults, a lot of action stuff and this sort of thing. But I always wanted to tell a story for kids. And I especially wanted to tell this story because this is a story I wish I had when I was a kid, because when I was a kid, I thought it was I, I kind of thought it was my fault that I didn't know how to swim. You know, I didn't I didn't I didn't quite realize that at five years old, I don't build swimming pools. You know, at five, I didn't, I didn't, uh, I don't control public policy as to where they are and who has access to them. Um, so it wasn't until I got older and started talking to, um, you know, living through this, this life anecdotally, anecdotally and speaking to people about what I was working on. Friends would be saying, would, would say like, Hey, what are you working on? And I tell them about Bree's story and I tell them about my story. And they would all tell me that I was telling them about their story. Like this has happened to them or, someone they'd known, they, there were so many uh, black folks I knew had a touchstone with swimming and water that wasn't good because, and a lot of it boiled down to lack of access. Um, so I really wanted to tell the story for uh, young black youth and, and have them uh, see themselves like those, those, those who don't know how to swim or haven't had the access or the, um, you know, uh, to it, to see themselves reflected in a character uh, that has these situations, have the questions that they have, because Brie has a bunch of questions about this. And um, what happens when uh, there is access and there is safe training? And so that they, they too know that they can do it. They can do it. It's just having that opportunity open up. So hopefully we could uh, get those opportunities for, for young black uh, you know, kids to, to have that access to, to swimming, because they can do it if they, if they just had the access and you know availability absolutely not the time yep that well that um we were talking about something we were talking about infinitum tim fielder 
infinitum. Oh, yeah, I've been meaning to pick that up. Yeah, that, that brother's work looks real good. Yeah, yeah. What is it about? Uh, it's an Afrofuturist story, and it is a, a Black man in Africa who his queen is barren. And so, you know, they had a tradition of the healers and the kings would be together, and he takes the child of his healer and she curses him to live forever. That is a and curse. So he, People he goes through, yeah. you know, centuries and you, you get to see his perspective on things and it's, it's a, it's great. And it's beautifully drawn. Of Sounds like well. living blood too, to Nana Revdu. Uh, the, the, the curse of living forever. I think people want to, they think they want to live forever until <laughs> you get to year 200 yeah. and you're tired. You're like, yeah, I'm already I'm still, tired. I'm still here. <laughs> Everybody I love is gone. And then it's like, ah, oh. and the world is just getting worser and worser. But in a graphic novel, it's about those drawings too. You know, there's not that much text. It's the picture, what these characters look like and what he looks like across time. Can you put up your novel so I can see your pictures? Yeah, absolutely. So here's a copy of Swim Team. Okay. And some some inside. So I wanted to have, so I have a, so when Bree starts asking a question, well, why can't I, like, uh, because, Brie has a, a neighbor, Miss Etta, who, who tells her, like, because Brie says, well, I thought Black people weren't good at swimming. And Miss Etta's like, I'm Black, and I know how to swim. So <laughs> so, uh, so that that can't be right. So then Brie's like, then, well, why can't I? So Miss Etta starts talking to her about, like, from, you know, ancient Africa to modern Africa to Peru to Chicago to wherever, Black people have always swam. But we use this, um, um, this motif of, like, a jigsaw puzzle, because Miss Etta loves jigsaw puzzles that if you start pulling the pieces out of a jigsaw puzzle, like you start pulling uh, access out of swimming to the black communities, oh, wow. you start in the mosaic. So then we uh, go ahead here and you can see a uh, lot of the segregation and, and lack of uh, access to, to swimming broke up our, our black swimming culture so that you know parents who don't know how to swim are more likely to have children who don't know how to swim. Mm-hmm. And uh, statistically, so, you know, each one teach one. If you can't, if you can't hand it down, then all of a sudden you start having this fragmentation in, in our access to, to the pool and to swimming. And then you have these situations where kids don't know how to swim, where, you know, black people from the dawn of time swam, you know, uh, but it's only in this bottleneck, bottleneck here in, in America due to these laws that we have this, this situation that we have now. And I just did a Google search of how much coastline the continent of Africa has. And this doesn't include internal coastline of rivers and lakes, but the continent has 18,950 miles of coast. So we, we were in that water. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but you think about the pools that were drained, you know, to keep black folk out of them, pools that yeah. were concreted over. You think about the people, uh, the young man that was stoned. You know, yeah. you think about you know, stone for going over an imaginary line swimming. I think in in uh, was it Lake Chicago. Michigan, Chicago, Chicago, nineteen yeah. Yeah, I mean, but that was prevalent, right? So he got yeah. killed, but how many other people just knew you can't swim here or beaches, whole beaches that we didn't have access to, which is why there's the Inkwell and Martha's Vineyard and other places because black people were not allowed to go to the beaches, and our beaches didn't look the same. Because, no. you know, I mean, you just think about how much work it takes to be racist, to keep your, <laughs> yeah. keep people yeah. away. But, but also, that's the only work you're doing. If you're getting paid and the only thing you got to do is just is be, be racist. racist. 
And you get paid a lot of money exhausting. just to be racist. Ah, so exhausting. But I'm glad that, you know, you are, you and others, We, as I mentioned, we had Cullen Jones on, Olympic gold medalist uh, swimmer, to, to say, you know, the possibilities are here and part of our family, healthy, wealthy, wise, uh, you know, Alice, we, we, we have swim lessons. We do swim at our conference and the breakthroughs, right. the people who've never been in the water, afraid to put their face in the water during a weekend who now are swimming. I feel incredibly proud of that as well. Um, and so, yes, there's, there's work to be done. My friend is Jerry craft. I look at your work. I see him, uh, some of them. Where did you get your start? as a, as a graphic novelist and why did you choose that as a profession? Well, like most kids, I was, I was always writing and drawing and coming up with little stories and, and whatnot, but uh, I just never stopped basically, you know, and I, I'm sure, I'm sure Jerry will probably tell you the same story. It, it seems to be the story across graphic novelists. Like we just kind of the ones who just never stopped doing it. Um, so I uh, continue telling these stories, continue uh, collecting comics. And then I, the, my interest started getting a little bit sharper in high school, went to art high school. Then I went to the Pratt Institute in Brooklyn and uh, got a, you know, a degree in illustration. Um, and and then, then that started a long slog into like in the industry of in trying to get publishing and try to get this and that, which was a really, uh, a really exciting journey. Actually, I really do enjoy the journey. Um, journeys are, are more important than destinations, I, I think sometimes. So, um, so yeah, that's, that's how we, uh, started in the industry and then I got here to uh, Harper Alley where um, I pitched them a swim team and they were super excited about what I was trying to say and how I wanted to go about it and um, and and luckily they they were here to support and and um, really push the book and get behind it in a, in a well, way who, that you know who, who inspired you we're talking with Johnny Christmas to draw who I mean you draw like this is your yeah art. yeah so yeah, who, this is my who, art. who did you grow up watching and saying wow I can do this you know that I, I didn't know any artists actually. I just, um, you know, that's a good question. I think what happened was that when I was a kid, you know, we're all drawing. I was a kid who was slightly better than the other kids. I wouldn't. I bet if you look at those drawings, you couldn't really tell the difference. But like us as kids, we could tell. So that they would ask me to do drawings, and they were. So that was like, you know, we're we're always as young people, we're always trying to find something that defines us, right? Like I'm the fast one, or I'm the the tall one, or I'm the pretty one, or whatever, right? But I was the one who drew. So. Um, so that started reinforcing itself because I kept, I just kept doing it. But yeah, I didn't, I didn't have any like um, artists in the family or, or anything like that, that I knew of, um, or I didn't have any art heroes until I got to like high school. And that's when I started looking around and seeing people outside of, you know, outside of myself who were just like painters or, or illustrators or what like have who? you. And- like who? We were just talking with um, Bill Perkins who bought Ernie Barnes's painting for $13.4 million. Like who, Charles White, like what artist, I mean, who did artist, you? You know, in, in terms of uh, painting, I would say uh, uh, Norman Rockwell started me into that figurative type stuff because he was just so good. These, he had these, he called them camera eyes, you know? Um, and that opened the door to uh, to starting to find the type of illustrators that I enjoy, like Jaime Hernandez, who does a comic called Love and Rockets. He's still working out of Los Angeles area and fantastic story and, and art. Um, got Mike Mignola, who does the Hellboy comics, is very poetic, uh, you know, minimalist uh, approach to copy, like words, but the, the visuals are kind of minimalist as well. It's this graphic, beautiful way of approaching the story. Well, I hope young people will have Black people like you 
and Jerry Kraft and my, my friend that. John Jennings and the swimmer, the oh, swimming yeah. instructors, Agnes Davis. I, I didn't say her name correctly. She teaches people how to be Olympians. Um, but yeah, there's so many now. Uh, Jason Wise, there's so many doing it. And I hope the next generation will have other people to see like you, Johnny Christmas. Thank you for being here. Damn. Thanks yes. so much for having me. Tanya, thank you so much as well. Yeah. I really appreciate uh, this opportunity to come and talk talk to, to you and the folks at home. Hey, this is Karen Hunter. You can listen to The Karen Hunter Show live every Monday through Friday at 3 p.m. East on Sirius XM Urban View Channel 126 or anytime on the Sirius XM app.